Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Honored to be with you tonight. A lot happened today. For the first time in American history, we saw the Democrat-controlled U.S. House of Representatives voted to impeach the President of the United States for the second time in a single term. This afternoon, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Democrats on Capitol Hill, along with 10 Republicans, voted to impeach President Trump. We want to turn now to some of the biggest moments that took place just today on the floor of the House of Representatives. Have a listen. Let's let's go there now. The gentleman from Florida is recognized for two minutes. Seems to me that impeachment is an itch that doesn't go away with just one scratch. It also seems that President Trump may be most likely to be impeached when he is correct. Before the last presidential impeachment, President Trump rightly pointed out the improper activities of the Biden crime family, and subsequently he's been proven right. And don't think for a moment, Madam Speaker, that we're going to drop that or stop our pursuit for the truth. Before that, we had the Russia hoax, where you had the president rightly making claims that Hillary Clinton and the DNC were colluding with Russians to disorient our democracy. How right he turned out to be. And then we have the 2020 presidential election, where the president correctly pointed out unconstitutional behavior, voting irregularities, concerns over tabulations, dead people voting, and now impeachment again. When they go low, we kick them. Eric Holder, former attorney general under Barack Obama, breaching the Capitol was as low as low can be. We all denounce it. But who is it that they're kicking? The president, who created soaring highs for our economy, rising wages before the pandemic, 400 miles of wall to stop the caravans, who drew down troops in the Middle East and showed empathy for the forgotten men and women of our country. It's why so many people love him so much, and it's why they're kicking all of us. This president has faced unprecedented hatred and resistance from big media, big tech, and big egos, from congressional leaders on both sides of the aisle. Before the rioters tore through that glass, Speaker Pelosi stood at that rostrum and tore through the President's State of the Union speech, inciting anger, resentment, division. Some believe that truly these true colors are being shown now through this divisive partisan impeachment. The Speaker of the House, I would request an additional 40 seconds. Excuse, excuse, go through the Speaker, please. The gentleman from Ohio. Madam Speaker, I yield the gentleman an additional 40 seconds. The, 
Four seconds. seconds or 40 seconds? Yep, 40 seconds. 45 seconds. I thank the gentleman. The speaker said to us just moments ago, words matter. But apparently those words don't matter when they're uttered by Democrats. When the gentlelady from Massachusetts calls for unrest in the streets, when the gentlelady from California brazenly brags that she called for people to get in the faces of those who serve and support the president. I denounce political violence from all ends of the spectrum, but make no mistake, the left in America has incited far more political violence than the right. For months, our cities burned, police stations burned, our businesses were shattered, and they said nothing. Or they cheer-led for it, and they fundraised for it, and they allowed it to happen in the greatest country in the world. Now, some have cited, some have cited the metaphor that the president lit the flame. Well, they lit actual flames, actual fires, and we time expired. There will be order in the house. Madam Speaker, St. Louis and I rise in support of the article of impeachment against Donald J. Trump. If we fail to remove a white supremacist president who incited a white supremacist insurrection, it's communities like Missouri's first district that suffer the most. The 117th Congress must understand that we have a mandate to legislate in defense of black lives. The first step in that process is to root out white supremacy, starting with impeaching the white supremacist in chief. Thank you, and I yield back. For 19 minutes, 19 minutes, four years ago on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2017, 19 minutes into President Trump's administration, at 12.19 p.m., the Washington Post headline was, Campaign to Impeach President Trump Has Begun. And now, with just one week, uh, week left, they're still trying. In seven days, there will be a peaceful transfer of power, just like there has been every other time in our country. But Democrats are going to impeach President Trump again. This doesn't unite the country. There's no way this helps the nation deal with the tragic and terrible events of last week that we all condemn. And Republicans have been consistent. We've condemned all the violence all the time. We condemned it last summer. We condemned it last week. We should be focused on bringing the nation together. Instead, Democrats are going to impeach the president for a second time one week one week before he leaves office. Why? Why? Politics and the fact that they want, to, they want to cancel the president. The president who cut taxes, the president who reduced regulations, the president prior to COVID had the greatest economy, lowest unemployment in 50 years, the president who got us out of the Iran deal, put the embassy in Jerusalem, brought hostages home from North Korea, put three great justices on the Supreme Court, gave us a new NAFTA agreement, the Abraham Accords, the COVID vaccine, and who built the wall. It's about politics. This is about getting the President of the United States. They spied on his campaign before he was elected. 19 minutes into his presidency, they started the impeachment push. Three-year Mueller investigation, 19 lawyers, 40 agents, 500 witnesses, 2,500 subpoenas, $40 million to find nothing. Impeachment round one based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who was biased against the president and who worked for Joe Biden. And now it's impeachment round two. It's always been about getting the president no matter what. It's an obsession, an obsession that has now broadened. It's not just about impeachment anymore. It's about canceling, as I've said, canceling the president and anyone that disagrees with them. The Ayatollah can tweet the president can't. 
Democrats can object on January 6, 2017, but Republicans aren't allowed to object on January 6, 2021. Democrats say Antifa is a myth. Republicans condemn all violence all the time. The double standard has to stop. And frankly, the attack on the First Amendment has to stop. And stop and think about it. Do you have a functioning First Amendment when the cancel culture only allows one side to talk? When you can't even have a debate in this country, this great country, the greatest country ever? It needs to stop because if it continues, if it continues, it won't just be Republicans who get canceled. It won't just be the President of the United States. The cancel culture will come for us all. Right. America is a great country, the greatest country ever. It seems to me that we need to think about how great the people of this nation really are. Think about what we've accomplished in the past and begin to come together as leaders who represent so many great folks across our districts. Think about this. Think about this. In 1903, in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, two guys fly this thing they called a plane 100 feet. Barely got off the ground. Barely got off the ground. Amazing thing. 44 years later, Chuck Yeager breaks the sound barrier. In 44 years, we go from two guys flying a contraption they called a plane a few hundred feet to Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier. And 22 years after that, 22 years after that, another American steps on the moon. Think about it. In one lifetime, in 66 years, two guys flying 100 feet to putting a man on the moon. That's what this country is capable of. That's what we can do. And we as the Congress who represent the people who did that should start leading, should start understanding what really is going on here. So I hope, I hope we defeat this. I hope we can begin to come together and recognize the greatness of the, of the American people and focus on the things they want us to focus on. I yield back our time. Gentleman Reese. And we know that the President of the United States incited this insurrection, this armed rebellion against our common country. He must go. He is a clear and present danger to the nation that we all love. On this vote, the ayes are 232, the nays are 197. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Well, that was a look at some of the most contentious and vigorous moments from the debate this afternoon when, again, the Democrat-led House, led by Speaker Nancy Pelosi, along with 10 Republicans who sided with her, voted to impeach President Trump for a second term, or for a second time. Uh, you heard Representative Jim Jordan say that just 19 minutes 19 minutes into President Trump's term, the Washington Post was putting out a headline talking about the campaign to begin the impeachment of the president. And here we are one week away from the end of President Trump's term, and the House has voted to impeach him for a second time. Uh, you heard a number of Republicans talking about the president's achievements. They spoke to the historic Abraham Accords. They spoke to the introduction of the COVID vaccine in record time, to historic job growth before the coronavirus pandemic,
to the building of the wall along the border. You repeatedly heard the Republicans talking about the president's achievements and asking if this was really about politics. Well, we'll be back to discuss that and more with a fantastic team here, including David Harris, John Solomon, and Sophie Mann in just a few minutes. Stay right with us. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. And now we're going to bring in David Harris, Jr. Some of you know him already. He's the author of Why I Couldn't Stay Silent, one man's battle as a black conservative. He is a longtime supporter of President Trump. David, it's, it's really great to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Absolutely. My pleasure, Eric. Thank you for having me. You bet, man. Now, in a moment, I want to get your take on what happened today. But, but for those of our viewers who haven't met you yet, I want to give you a chance to really introduce yourself uh, to them. In your book, you talk a little bit about your own journey and what brought you here today. If you could share with them a little bit about that journey. Well, I will, Eric, be happy to do so. You know, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer that God is good, that he has a plan for each and every one of our lives, and that uh, he has a plan for this country. Uh, I'm unequivocally uh, pro-life. My wife was actually uh, she found out when her mom was dying of cancer that her mom actually left the abortion clinic at the last minute and decided to have her. Wow. So I've been married for 26 years. We have two beautiful daughters, 22 and 24 years old. I wouldn't be the man I am today if her mom hadn't courageously chose life. And she didn't. She wasn't contemplating having an abortion because she'd been raped. It was an incest. Uh, she was poor. It was a one night stand, and mm. she didn't. She knew the father was not going to be in the picture. Right. And she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to give her daughter the kind of life that she uh, that she felt like she would be able to. So at the last minute, she chose life. She left that abortion clinic, and she had that little baby girl who's now my wife. Uh, so I'm 100% pro-life. And when I began to hear um, that how Donald Trump, then-candidate Donald Trump, mm. felt about the lives of unborn babies and hearing the opposition, which we still hear to this day from the Democrat Party, is pretty much abortion for any reason— up to any point of birth now, uh, even talking about after birth, uh, you know, having let, letting the mom decide after the baby's born if she wants to uh, let that baby have life, uh, just disgusted me. It was absolutely grotesque to me. So I hopped on social media. I didn't have a platform of any kind. I had about 1,500 friends on Facebook, 
And I just shared my heart as to why I was going to support Donald Trump, because I believed he stood for the lives of unborn babies. And he's a businessman. He's a mogul. He's an international business mogul. He understands how to create wealth. All of those things were reasons why I supported this president. And he did not prove me wrong. He was the most pro-life president that we've ever had. He stood up for Jerusalem. He stood up for Judeo-Christian values. Uh, he stood up for America, putting America first, uh, yes. securing our southern, our southern border. He's, he's kept so many of his promises, all while, the, while his, with his hands tied behind his back, uh, fighting against Congress, fighting against the House at every single turn, not allowing his appointments to take place. Uh, he's done so much for this country. It's been an honor and a privilege to be able to stand up and support uh, this president. So that's kind of where I got my start. That's grown into now where I've got my own daily show as well. And I've got a podcast as well. And I just continue to try to share the news that I've dis discovered isn't shared uh, on mainstream media because it doesn't fit their narrative. I share that at DavidHarrisJr.com and I share that on my show. Uh, and it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do so. Absolutely. And so, David, you really have been. You, you've been speaking out. You've been building a stronger and stronger audience over the course of these last few years. And again, uh, folks, you can check them out at davidharrisjr.com. We want to talk a little bit about your show, your podcast, uh, as, uh, a little, little bit uh, later, David, because I, I want you to give a sense for some of the big issues that you, that you address there. But what I do want to get your, your thoughts on right now is that you've also been a big advocate of freedom of speech, freedom of expression. It's baked right there into the Constitution. You've always believed, yes. and you've been willing to talk with anybody who's willing to come to the table and have an honest conversation. Yet now we're in a place where you've got big tech, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, the other social media giants, not only canceling the the account of the president of the United States, but also canceling many other conservatives. Talk with you, uh, with our audience, if you would, about why you think freedom of expression is so important and why censorship is really an expression of weakness. Well, it really starts off with if we have an understanding of the Constitution and why it was so amazingly grafted to be able to give us our freedoms and then acknowledge that our freedoms actually come from God. Uh, the Constitution is there to stand up for our God-given rights as humans, as in individuals on this planet. And the beautiful creation of such a document that had never been created mm -hmm. before is what's given us the ability to become the most successful country in the history of the world. So it's it's baked right into the very fabric of who we are as a nation. And the ex our expression, our freedom of speech, freedom of religion— if we right now are to allow these big tech companies to take these very things from us, they try to say, well, we're private com companies. Well, no, they're not private. They're, they're, I mean, on paper, sure, but it's a platform where they've invited everybody and anybody to be able to share their expressions, share their viewpoints, yet for them to then just turn around and yank somebody off their platform, like the president of the United States, if they're willing to do it to him, who are they not willing to do it to? So I check my social media pretty much every day. Facebook uh, has been giving me problems for two years. They've lowered my reach. They diminished how many people can see my stuff. People are telling me nonstop that they've been unfollowed from my page. They have to refollow me. They have to search my entire handle, which is David J. Harris Jr. If they don't get that J in there, they can't even find me. Mm -hmm. I used to pop up. Instagram's doing the same thing. Instagram's taken about 30,000 followers from me in the last uh, three weeks. Twitter's taken 130,000 from me in the last week. 
So it's an absolute assault right now on anybody that does not go along with their narrative. They want this big government. They, they, want, uh, uh, they want censorship. They want to have the power to be able to silence the voices that don't agree with them. And it's Marxist. It's absolutely communist. It's what they're doing right now in communist China. And any American that thinks that it's okay, well, you better wake up because before too long, you'll be the, you'll be the frog in the pot that's realizing that the water's boiling. Uh, and there's there's nobody that's off limits with this. It's just uh, it's insane that it's taking place, but it is absolutely. And David, remind all of our viewers uh, where they can find you, and also where they can find your show, please. Uh, DavidHarrisJr.com is my main website. That's where they can find my news, my articles that I like to bring. DJHJ Media is also another arm for news. Uh, but uh, my my handle for all social media is David J Harris Jr. And lately. As of the last week, literally, since everybody's being canceled, I check every day to make sure I'm still on these social media platforms. I tell everybody to send a text to 53445 and just send my name, David. If they send a text to 53445 and send my name, David, they'll get on my text blast alert. And if I wind up disappearing, uh, the person, I'll make sure that everybody knows how to stay in contact with me. Awesome. And David, one of the things that you do uh, on your show is that you often talk about the role of faith in the public square, and you also talk about the role of faith in American history. What's your message right now to people of faith who many of them are really uh, feeling like this is, this is a, a tough time, but as you and I have talked about, uh, despair is not an American value. There are always uh, strong foundations uh, for hope. What's, what's your message to people of faith right now? To somebody that has faith, that understands that we have a good, good God, that he's a good father, that he wants to play and be an active role and participant in our life. He's not just somebody that's there to, to go to in times of, of distress when we, when we do and can go to him, but he's also there to help cultivate and grow in us what he actually designed us for. You know, he had a dream and then he wrapped our bodies around it and then he gave birth to us, right? He, he put us in the womb of our mothers and let us become uh, born here on this earth. We all have a plan. We all have uh, a destiny. We all have something that we were created for and we all are living right now, I think, in this literal Bible story time. What's taking place to people of faith that, are, that supported this president because of his policies, not because of the man, Donald Trump, but because of his beliefs and his policies and what he was putting forward, uh, those are things and values that so many believers loved and appreciated, and that's why we supported him. To see all that now seemingly be stripped away, taken away, and actually under attack, uh, it, it should force every single believer to get back into their prayer closet, so to speak, take their faith, faith seriously, Ask God every single day, what do you want from me? What do you want to give me today? Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, give me today my daily bread. Well, he is our daily bread. So every day we should be getting more from him, seeking his guidance, and make sure that we're rightly aligned with who we should be in our family unit, and then make sure that whatever opportunity comes forward for us to be a more active role in our community, now's not the, not the time for any of us to stay silent or stay on the sidelines. So stay prayed up, yes. believe that God is a God of miracles, just like we read about in all of the Bible stories that we've read. He is a God of miracles and also believe that he loves this country and he's not gonna leave this country aside.
Absolutely. And, and David, in Why I Couldn't Stay Silent, uh, your book, One Man's Battle as a Black Conservative, you talk both about the attacks that were launched against you as a black conservative, but you also talk about how you found ways to bring people together. In the 30 seconds that we have left right now, how do we come together as Americans? You know, I would say that each of us in our everyday lives, we've got family, we've got friends, and that is our world. And I think that anytime we begin to engage with our family or our friends, we should start off by just saying, you know what, you're my, you're my family, you're my brother, you're my sister, you're my friend, I love you, and I want the best for you. And we, I think that we all want the best for this country. If we can start there, I think that'll defuse a lot of the heightened tensions and emotions that are circulating from all that we're seeing and all that's taking place right now, if we all just remember that we all have the same goal and same heartbeat in mind. Family, friends, safety, security, we all want these things, yes. and we're family first. We love each other. Absolutely. Again, well, David, hey, thanks so much for joining us tonight. We'll look forward to having you, you back on again. Uh, folks, again, that, that's David Harris, Jr. You can find his new book online. It's titled Why Couldn't Stay Silent, One Man's Battle as a Black Conservative. And when we come back, we're joined by Just the News Editor-in-Chief John Solomon. He's got a really important story out right now at JustTheNews.com about big unanswered questions about what transpired at the Capitol. Stay right with us. We're going to be back in just a minute. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We're joined now by Just the News founder and editor-in-chief, John Solomon. John, you've got a big news story out. It's up right now at justthenews.com about what happened at the Capitol and three remaining unanswered questions. Yeah, tell, tell us, the, the, understand we got, we got the, some it's, it's breaking one of the, info. One of the reasons why lawmakers are so concerned that this was sort of a drive-by impeachment, a one-day yes. couple hours yes. and impeach the president. Uh, there is some significant evidence beginning to emerge of three things. One, yes. that uh, the Capitol Police, the NYPD, the FBI, all had prior warning that there was going to be an attack on the Capitol. Mm. They knew some of the people. They knew some of the things that were being said, even talk about killing cops as tragically wow. what happened. Wow. Uh, uh, they, it was serious enough to warn the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Now, that has several repercussions. One yeah. is... How did the leaders of Congress react in this intel? Did it get to them? Did yes. Nancy Pelosi know? Secondly, did uh, if, if this was a planned attack, you can't be the president of the United States being accused of inciting a spontaneous attack when it was planned days before. Right. And so I think uh, both from an impeachment perspective and from a factual security perspective, mm. we're, we're learning things. And we shouldn't be in the posture of making final assignments of blame until we know what the facts are. 
Another thing that we're hearing, and, and uh, Congressman Clyburn of South Carolina, yes. one of the most respected Democrats in the House, first raised this. I'm hearing there's significant evidence of this. There, part of this planning, this private plan, was helping people on the inside, helping them to learn the Capitol, to have maps of the Capitol, to know how to get around in the Capitol. This was a planned attack, if this information bears out wow. as what the federal law enforcement is saying. This. The FBI is saying this now. Mm. The U.S. attorney in Washington says he's bringing a conspiracy case. As you know, you yes. can only bring a conspiracy case if there was planning. Yes, right? yes. You can't have a conspiracy in a, a, or a spontaneous moment. So these are really big re revelations, and I think this story, the Capitol siege story, yes. will go the route of some things we've heard in the past. We once before were sold a story that yes. there was a spontaneous attack. It occurred in Benghazi. Right. Susan Rice, about to go yes. back into the Joe Biden administration, yes. told us it was a spontaneous attack spurred by an anti-Muslim video. Right. It was a terror attack carried out by an al-Qaeda yes. affiliate yes. planned weeks in advance. That yes. was the final intelligence assessment. Uh, not, uh, the Russia story. Yes. told there was collusion. Then we found out everybody knew there was no collusion and it was a bogus thing, right. but they went with it anyways. Uh, I think this story has the potential to boomerang around in a very different ending than what the American people were presented today. And it sounds like it's turning very quickly. I mean, in the Benghazi case, you had Susan Rice coming out saying this was a spontaneous yeah. attack based on a video. And that, that went on for, for days. And in some, in some cases, they were you know, pushing that story for weeks until right. finally we learned the truth. What are we learning? What's the latest right now that we know from the interviews that we're doing with investigators, with police? So I've been told that some of the key security people in the Capitol, the sergeants of arms of the House and the Senate and the Capitol Police Chief, who all three who have resigned, yes. have had some contact, some form of interviews with the Metropolitan Police Department, mm -hmm. which is the lead investigative agent now. Yes. Uh, we FOIA'd those reports this morning, and we got our good colleague, Natalia uh, Ministato, stands right behind us yes. here. Yes. She got a response back almost instantly from the police department saying, we're not releasing the information, and here's why. It's going to be personally embarrassing, private, privacy invading to release these information. It doesn't make sense. Wow. These were public officials. Mm -hmm. Their job was security. What they told the police ought to be a matter of public record. We're going to fight for those documents. Yes. But something tells me what's in those documents has some very bearing, big relevance to what happened on the Hill. And the, the question I have yes. is what did Nancy Pelosi, what did Mitch McConnell yes. know about these threats beforehand? If they didn't know, it's an intelligence failure of the police. If they did know... There's something they didn't tell us before we went into this impeachment round today. Yeah, and, and so for our viewers, walk them through the chain of command for a sergeant at arms who's responsible for security, just so they understand how this, how this works. I was on Newt Gingrich's podcast this morning, yeah. and you know, he said, as speaker, sergeant at arms was always in contact with me. That was mm -hmm. my security man. That was right. the guy for the entire Capitol that I relied upon for those things, as well yes. as many formalities. It would be almost implausible to think that he would have gotten warnings from the NYPD, we know that from NYPD, right. from the FBI, uh, from the Defense Department saying, hey, there's a chance of violence here, and him not go to his bosses and right. talk to Pelosi or at least her staff. So Susan Keating, our great reporter here, yes. she's working on something. I think we'll have answers to some of this tomorrow morning. Yes. But what Nancy Pelosi knew and when did she know it is an important question. It should have been answered before impeachment. What Mitch McConnell knew. There's a Senate Sergeant mm -hmm. Arms. Same thing, same relationship. Yes. The Capitol Police Chief reports to those two security officials, the Sergeant Arms, and then up to the Speaker and leaders of the House. We do not know what they know. And I think a week into this, that is a gap in our knowledge that we should try to close. That's what we're working on here at Just the News. Yeah, well, it's obvious it's a really important gap, and it's especially important in light of what happened today, I think a lot of Americans on both sides of the aisle are actually concerned about the precedent 
that's being set where you have an impeachment that's happening essentially with no investigation of the events that actually took place. I've been in fast food lines that went uh, slower than this <laughs> impeachment today. It's a scary right. thing. Yes. It's not what our founding fathers intended. No. Maybe there is blame to assign to the president, but we, the facts weren't entered in a way. It was all emotion, all rhetoric. Yes. And to now hear, as this proceeding was finishing, to hear the FBI talk about pre-planning. And here's a funny thing. A few minutes after the impeachment went yes. over, CNN matched our story this morning and said, oh, there's evidence of a significant pre-plan. That would have been nice for the American people to yes. know before their lawmakers voted on this impeachment proceeding today. Absolutely. Now, when we go back to the first impeachment, which was just a couple of, of months ago, right. at the time, the president and his team were saying that the whole Russia collusion thing was a hoax. They were talking about the uh, activities of Hunter Biden and former Vice President Joe Biden exactly. as they related to Ukraine. All of those things are being raised at the time. You've also got a story out at justthenews.com right now about the documents related to Russia that haven't been declassified, but it sounds yeah. like there are also some important documents that we've, that we've just recently learned about. Yeah, so uh, last night I put the 40 that I've been talking about on television yes. for the last few months. The president is aware of these documents. I think his staff has been able to get about 80, 90 percent of it released, yes. or at least declassified. Yes. And they're waiting for the final 10 percent. The bureaucracy is slowing them down, throwing roadblocks in their way. I still think there's a good chance that before the president leaves office on, at 12 o'clock on uh, January 20th, that we will get these set of documents. Mm -hmm. They range from everything from internal documents that the inspector general saw during the Hillary Clinton and um, uh, Russia investigations to in, uh, internal communications between Comey and his brass at the FBI. Right. Very important things that fill in the gaps in our knowledge and give people a complete story of just how bad this was. I think when it's done, this is the story that people will take away. Hillary Clinton's team invented the Russia collusion story mm. and used uh, intelligence apparatchiks to, to get it into the system after learning that she had new problems on her email, that maybe a foreign power had possession of some of her classified yes. emails. And they, they went out to, this is a document I've seen, yeah. vilify Donald Trump with this false story. That's, I think, what these documents will put mm -hmm. into a time continuum, help people to understand a more 30,000-foot view of yes. what really happened. Now, today, yes. as I was working on this, I learned of another document that was kept from the president's impeachment team, I'm told, was kept from the Senate investigators. They only recently learned about it. Yes. What is it? It is an email on November 22, 2016, by George Kent, the guy with the bow tie, yes. the Democrats' star witness in the, impeach the first impeachment trial where they at least allowed some witnesses. Yes. Uh, and he uh, uh, wrote in November 22nd about his concerns about Joe Biden in the context of Burisma and Hunter Biden, the conflict of interest. We know he's testified he saw the appearance of a conflict of interest. Yes. He tried to warn Joe Biden that maybe he shouldn't be involved in this, and he couldn't get to the vice president. This is a contemporaneous document where he mentions the vice president in this context. It was classified. Everybody who's looked at it tells me there's no national security information. The right. only thing this is protecting is not security information. It's protecting reputations. So we're, I'm hoping that in the next 24, 48 hours, the State Department will finally make this document public. But keep in mind, yes. we went through an impeachment, and this sort of critical evidence was not released. Wow. So we had an what we now know, at least from this document, is that we had an impeachment of the President of the United States and an essential document relating to one of the key witnesses wasn't released at the time to become public yeah. knowledge. And let's take people back to what the president was impeached for. Yes. Because I think people yes. forget. Yes. At the end of the day, the impeachment was the president had no basis to ask Ukraine to investigate the Hunter Biden, Joe mm -hmm. Biden, Burisma scandal. Yes. And, and it was called a conspiracy theory now. 
Now, months after that happened, what did we learn? Why that impeachment trial was going on? Hunter Biden was under criminal investigation. Yes. There was a reason to investigate. Yes. We found out that not once, but twice, State Department officials reported to Washington they believed Burisma paid bribes to Ukrainian officials why Hunter Biden was on the board. Not that Hunter Biden paid him, right. but he was on the board. Yes. Had to be oversight yes. responsibility when these acts occurred. Yes. And we found out that State Department officials believed that Joe Biden created a conflict of interest. All of that would have been relevant to the president's defense. It was kept from him in great part by the, the bureaucrats at the State Department. We have forced it out through yes. repeated lawsuits with our good friends at the Southeastern Legal Foundation, yes. Justin News and the Southeastern Legal Foundation. That's the sort of impeachment gaps we have. We can only wonder what gaps in knowledge we're going to learn later about the impeachment that occurred today in less than six hours of, of uh, procedure yeah. in the House. Tr tr tremendous gaps. And one of the things that you point out in your story is actually one of the lessons that we always talk about in the SEAL teams, which is that the very first report that comes from the battlefield is always wrong. Isn't that true? It, it doesn't mean that people have bad intentions, but it just means that in a chaotic and difficult yeah. situation with a lot of complexity, that first report is always wrong. Our first impression of what happened during 9-11 was wrong. Yeah. As, as you mentioned, the, the reports about Benghazi were wrong. The port reports about Russia collusion were wrong. And yep. yet now we've impeached a president for a second time and a full investigation hasn't yet been done. I know I know you and the team are going to stay, stay on this throughout. We absolutely are. We owe the American people the truth. Whoever is to blame, whether it's the president, other people, we should get to the bottom of the truth and assign the facts so people can make up their own mind. That's what we do here at Real America's Voice, what we do at Justin yes. News. We give facts. People can make up their own mind. Mm -hmm. They've been force-fed a story without all the facts. And I think... That's going to be our job going forward to unravel that, unpack awesome. that. Awesome. Well, John, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Well, folks, again, that is John Solomon, I believe the hardest working journalist in the country, who is bringing you facts every single day about the things that are happening here in our country. We are always grateful to him and the entire team at justthenews.com. Go out to justthenews.com where you can see all of those breaking stories where John breaks down the story about the unanswered questions related to the Capitol riots and the declassification of documents in Russia. Stay right with us. When we come back, we're gonna break down some of the other big stories of the day with our crew right here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and in this segment, we're going to be joined in studio by Just the News correspondent Sophie Mann and Real America's Voice correspondent Anna Perez. It's great to have them on. Before we come to them, though, I want to go to the President of the United States, who just 20 minutes ago came out with this statement. Go ahead and have a listen. The troubling events of the past week. As I have said, the incursion of the U.S. Capitol struck at the very heart of our republic. It angered and appalled millions of Americans across the political spectrum. I want to be very clear. 
I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Making America great again has always been about defending the rule of law, supporting the men and women of law enforcement, and upholding our nation's most sacred traditions and values. Mob violence goes against everything I believe in and everything our movement stands for. No true supporter of mine could ever endorse political violence. No true supporter of mine could ever disrespect law enforcement or our great American flag. No true supporter of mine could ever threaten or harass their fellow Americans. If you do any of these things, you are not supporting our movement. You are attacking it, and you are attacking our country. We cannot tolerate it. Tragically, over the course of the past year, made so difficult because of COVID-19, we have seen political violence spiral out of control. We have seen too many riots, too many mobs, too many acts of intimidation and destruction. It must stop. Whether you are on the right or on the left, a Democrat or a Republican, there is never a justification for violence. No excuses, no exceptions. America is a nation of laws. Those who engaged in the attacks last week will be brought to justice. Now I am asking everyone who has ever believed in our agenda to be thinking of ways to ease tensions, calm tempers, and help to promote peace in our country. There has been reporting that additional demonstrations are being planned in the coming days, both here in Washington and across the country. I have been briefed by the U.S. Secret Service on the potential threats. Every American deserves to have their voice heard in a respectful and peaceful way. That is your First Amendment right. But I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. Everyone must follow our laws and obey the instructions of law enforcement. I have directed federal agencies to use all necessary resources to maintain order. In Washington, D.C., we are bringing in thousands of National Guard members to secure the city and ensure that a transition can occur safely and without incident. Like all of you, I was shocked and deeply saddened by the calamity at the Capitol last week. I want to thank the hundreds of millions of incredible American citizens who have responded to this moment with calm, moderation, and grace. We will get through this challenge just like we always do. I also want to say a few words about the unprecedented assault on free speech we have seen in recent days. These are tense and difficult times. The efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist our fellow citizens are wrong, and they are dangerous. What is needed now is for us to listen to one another, not to silence one another. All of us can choose by our actions 
to rise above the rancor and find common ground and shared purpose. We must focus on advancing the interests of the whole nation, delivering the miracle vaccines, defeating the pandemic, rebuilding the economy, protecting our national security, and upholding the rule of law. Today, I am calling on all Americans to overcome the passions of the moment and join together as one American people. Let us choose to move forward united for the good of our families, our communities, and our country. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. That was the President of the United States, Donald Trump, from the office just moments ago, asking all Americans to come together in peace. He reaffirmed his support for law and order, his support for law enforcement, saying that no true supporter of his could ever engage in political violence, and also talking about what he believes is the danger of censorship and the cancel culture in the United States of America. Well, right now, we've got Just the News correspondent Sophie Mann and Real America's Voice correspondent Anna Perez with us in studio. Sophie, what do you make of the president's remarks? Well, I mean, I think what we just heard from President Trump is a lot of what we've been hearing actually the past week since the yeah. attack, you know, one week ago on Wednesday. Uh, but here we got it in a succinct um, coherent, quick message. I do think that the president deserves some credit for, you know, as soon as um, any distress broke out last week, uh, tweeting out these very same sentiments, though he was soon filtered. And I mean, I think that the president is somebody who often will fire off a lot of different messaging at once, which I'm sure is just a nightmare for his comms team some of the time. But uh, this is, I think, exactly the message we needed to hear from him, um, if not perhaps a little bit earlier in the week. I do think one interesting thing that we should note is that despite what's going on in Congress today, the president did not mention impeachment even once. Yes. Well, and, and it's also interesting, you know, uh, as, as John Solomon was here, he was just reporting, there are a lot of unanswered questions right now about what happened at the Capitol, and people are really looking into what Nancy Pelosi knew and when. We know that the Just the News team, of which you are a fantastic mm -hmm. part, is continuing uh, to investigate that. Anna, what about you? What's your, what's your take? Well, I think it's, again, what we've been hearing over and over again from the president. And, you know, he already disavowed it in several tweets during yes. the actual incident. And then he comes out and speaks about it, and then he talks about it again now. And I think that, you know, the people who are doubting him or are accusing him of inciting violence are obviously not listening to him. Um, he's disavowed it several times. He's condemned all of the violence that's occurred, just like several other Republicans. In fact, all Republicans pretty much have. So... It's just interesting to me how this impeachment's still happening. They're still, you know, harping on this subject when there's really nothing more he could do to say that he does condemn this violence. Well, and one of the things that we heard from Jim Jordan and other Republicans today was they said, look, Republicans, from their point of view, have been consistent, certainly from my point of view, been very consistent about denouncing all violence. They denounced the violence that happened over the summer, and they also denounced the violence that happened in the Capitol, and they did so pretty consistently. Uh, now, Sophie, as we think about, as we move forward to the inauguration that's going to happen next week, we've got a story at justthenews.com about the National Guard, their deployment into the Capitol. What's the latest? What do we know right Yeah, now? well, so this is a story that just keeps rolling and rolling. Um, the National Guard has been deployed to the Capitol, uh, which is actually not rare or uncommon right. at all yes. for an inauguration. Yes. You know, with President Trump's last inauguration, we saw about 8,000 National Guard troops deployed. Obama had about 9,000. This, you know, it's a high alert moment. There's security yes. around the 
nation's capital. Um, today, we, for the first time, we're seeing ground reports of uh, guardsmen at the actual Capitol building, sort of jarring photographs of them lying around, um, not not you know not on the job, but literally sleeping in the hallways of Congress, and uh, you know various lawmakers thanking them for protecting the building that was attacked just one week ago. But um, they are deploying what seems like a very large number. Uh, that that number has gone in the past you know several days from a reported 10,000 troops now to 20,000 troops. There are various discussions in DOD going on right now about how many of them will be armed, where they will be armed, and sort of what position they will take around parts of Washington that aren't just the Capitol building alone. But um, I'm sure that we will, you know, see them, A, around the city yes. for the next couple of days, and B, we'll continue hearing reports about sort of what the upper echelons of our security defense departments um, are talking about. Awesome. Well, awesome. Sophie, you and, and Susan Katz-Keating, our national security mm -hmm. correspondent, have been all over the story. And I also feel obligated to point out that a lot of times when guys are working, it's very common for them when they're on duty to have to get a little rest. So those those pictures of them sleeping like is actually just consistent with their mission. They're yeah, there. That's exactly they're, right. they're, they're, they're there to protect to protect all Americans. And there's also a, a story at justthenews.com reflecting on the divisions in the country. Uh, talk a little bit about what we've got we've got up there. Right. Well actually there was a report that came out saying that about twenty five percent of people say that actually they would support the uh, divided country, saying that we should secede, per perhaps. And I think that speaks to a lot of what has not only been happening recently in a recent events at the Capitol, but sort of the mentality that we've had the past few years. You know, I think we've realized that we have a lot of differences as a country. Um, we're not united on many, um, many just basic rights that we thought that we would be as Americans. And these are things that these are just regular American values, such as free speech, you know, with everything that's going on and big tech censorship. You know, it's really hard to grapple with this because while it is sad to see that kind of division, it is, you know, worth considering, you know, is this something we should move forward with? Yeah, I think it, it is indicative, unfortunately, of a lot of the divisions that we have in the country, and certainly a lot of people trying to figure out how we how we pull together. In the last 20 seconds that we have, Sophie, some corporations taking action in, in relation to the inauguration next week. What do we know? Yeah, well, as Anna said, um, big tech censorship and sort of the suppression of various Americans' access to their services is something we really need to be thinking about. As Airbnb moved today to cancel all reservations in the district area and surrounding areas um, over the next week. They'll be reimbursing people who made reservations that are now canceled, as well as the owners of said properties. Um, but that's something that we should think about, sort of the Absolutely. removal of access to, you know, basic rights. Awesome. Sophie, Anna, thank you guys so much for, for joining us. Again, that's Sophie Mann and Anna Perez with Just the News and Real America's Voice. And that's it for tonight on Actionable Intelligence. Stay right here for Dr. Gina.